0: I have the honor and the privilege of talking to you this morning about honor. Mm. honor um, one of our values here at the Haz is to create a culture of honor. Um, we train about it, we talk about it we um, we invest ourselves in it we had a we had a leadership training and um, and so what we all did is we picked out of a basket, we picked everybody's name out of a basket randomly, and um, we uh had to honor that person within that week we had to do something that would honor them that would bless them And so um, everybody had to do something for one of those people and we had people mowing uh, the other person's lawn we had and, and they had to find out what what it was that would honor them so they had to find out either what their love language is how they receive honor what was it that that person what would make that person feel honored and so it was an exercise in honor so as I'm speaking about this today I really want you to think practically about somebody in your life that you can really give honor to because honor is very important in the kingdom of heaven and and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning and we're going to we're going to walk through a lot of scripture. So this is a little bit more of a teaching than it is a preaching, so bear with me, because I'm, I'm a little bit more of fire and um, rowdiness and, and, you know, like hair on fire than I am like a line-upon-line line teacher. So if I look a little uncomfortable, you're just going to have to bear with me. <laughs> All right, so um, uh, one of the things that I've learned about studying honor is that um, honor actually has a reward attached to it. Um, a, a reward from heaven. Isn't that great that God really cares about um, when we respond to him, what he wants to do in our response is he wants to give us um, some incentive. And so he wants to give us a reward when we respond rightly, when we respond in righteousness. He's going to give us a reward. And so this reward, and I'm going to show you this this morning, this reward is not just a heavenly reward. It's, it's, it's also a reward that's on the earth. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm into getting rewards. I mean, I'm all about that. If I'm going to run the race, I want to run the race well, I want to get to the end, and I want to be running at the end even better than I was running in the beginning. Because I want to I wanna watch people that are doing it right in the kingdom and I want to look at them and when they're really being blessed by the Lord, I want to look at their lives and I want to say, okay, what is it about them that they're doing, that is a principle in the kingdom that I need to tap into. Because I want to I participate in the same level of blessings and rewards that they're participating in. Amen? Amen. So in Check, uh, 2 John 8, it says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward the full reward of what we worked for. Every single one of us in the kingdom, what we're doing is we're we've got a seed and we're, we're we've cultivated the soil we, we remove the rocks from the soil and the weeds from the soil and we've got this seed and we planted the seed and we're watering the seed and we're cultivating the seed and harvest time comes along and wouldn't it be really unfortunate that at harvest time it's finally time to receive the full reward and we get weary and we decide not to harvest and we're like man I'm just tired I'm just tired of of working and I'm grown weary in my working and I'm just not I'm just I'm just done I'm just gonna sit back in the lazy boy and I'm not gonna do it anymore and the Lord's like man if you would have gone just a little bit farther in my grace then you could have received the full reward because Christianity is not a sprint, but it's really an endurance run. And along our, along our journey, the Lord presents choices for us, right? So it's like you're going to have a choice to make a decision of one of two things. You can either do what the word of God says, or you can do what your emotions say. And how many of you know we are a feeling bunch of people? I mean, I've got, I remember when I used to have a bunch of teenagers in my house. We had six teenagers under the roof. At one time, and a newborn. Hallelujah, those days are over. So, anyway, these teenagers were just hyped up on hormones. So, there was an emotion, or somebody was crying every day. And so, it was just like everything, they felt everything so deeply. But really, I know a lot of adults like that, don't you? It's just like, well, I just feel like he's this or he's that. And so we've got all these emotions and, and I'll tell you what, if we let our emotions be the guiding force for us, those emotions will lead us into a big old pit, right? right. Profit and training, right? You're in a pit. I don't want to be in a pit. The children of Israel, when they were coming from the land of Egypt and they're traveling through the desert and what were they doing? most of the time. Complaining. Complaining, whining. What were they doing? What were they being led by? Their their feelings, their emotions. God showed himself, delivered them all of these miracles. And why was God, why did God take them through the Red Sea? Why didn't he take them a different way? Because they could have gone a different way. But it's like Moses, did he not have a map? What was going on there? You know. Okay, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) All women know where they're going. (laughs) Men are like, ah, what? GPS? I don't know. Anyway, I'm sure his wife, Zipporah, was like, Hey, Mo, let me drive. I could get there, okay? John and I, the only time that we ever argue is in the car. (laughs) How many women? Here, come on. Show of hands. It's that car thing, right? It's just like you don't know where you're going. It's like, woman, leave me alone. (laughs) Um... So, anyway, I love you. So, what was he trying to do? What's he trying to do with Moses in the desert? What is he trying to do with the people? He's showing himself to them. Look at who I am. Look at the grandness and the greatness of who I am. But they still complained. They still listened to all of their emotions. They still whined in Moses' ear. And so, what happened to them is when they got to the promised land, they had made, they had established so many patterns of disobedience and so many patterns of dishonoring God that when they got there, the only thing that could possibly happen is they looked at the giants and what do they do? They're like, no way, no way. And so at that moment, they didn't see the truth of who God was. And there was no fear of God in their hearts. So therefore, they did not get their full reward. That's right. The most simple way not to lose what you have labored for is to develop patterns in your life of consistently honoring God's counsel. Abraham, God said this to Abraham, I am your exceedingly great reward. Psalm 19, David writes this, the ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. In keeping them, there is a great reward. David writes in Psalm 57, I will cry to God most high who performs on my behalf and rewards me. And there's a spectrum that we have of the reward system, which is very interesting because he said, okay, on one side of the reward system is 1 Corinthians 3.11. Okay, what does that say? He basically says, your work that is not accepted by me is actually going to be burned up and you're going to get saved, but it's going to be with fire. So that's at the judgment seat of God. So there, he, there he's saying, he's saying, listen, this is on one end of the reward spectrum. I'm going to let you in, but you cannot bring any of your work with you. Because you are going around and you are disobedient to the things that I told you to do so there's not heaven and eternity on anything that you did. And the opposite end of that spectrum where the full reward is he tells us in the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and 3 when he's talking to the churches and he's saying listen, to he who overcomes your own emotional nightmares, you overcome and you take authority over your feelings and you make them submit and you, and you force those feelings to submit to the word of God. That is overcoming. Therefore you will receive a reward and what does he say in, to the Laocedian church age which is what we're, we're living in today? That lukewarmness he said if you overcome I'm going to give you a reward of sitting with me on my throne. Jesus! That is a heavenly reward that I'm willing to run after. That's an eternal reward. But this reward system also reaches us here on the earth. So the things that we are laboring for, as we labor in honor, in honoring God, in submitting ourselves, in being obedient to God, what happens? 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, Godliness is profitable for all things, having the promise of life that now is, and of that which is to come. Proverbs, the righteous will be rewarded in the earth. Proverbs 13, righteous people will be rewarded with good things. Proverbs 10: The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. And Proverbs 28:20. 20, and again, the trustworthy will get a rich reward. The rich reward is the full reward. So the honor on the earth. When Jesus was walking on the earth, what city was it that rejected him? It was Nazareth, right? It was his home. Thanks. So it was his home, and he said this, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. So he's like, listen, he couldn't do, he could do very little miracles in that place, very little healings in that place because what happened is when they dishonored him, it actually stayed the hand of God and God was like, "These, this city will not reap their full reward. So the word honor, the Greek in the word honor means to value, to treat as valuable, precious and weighty. The word dishonor means to treat as common or ordinary. See, they were familiar in Nazareth with with Jesus. And they were like, dude, you're a carpenter. What are you saying? So for them, there was no honor, but they treated him as common and ordinary. Therefore, he could do no miracles. I mean, this is the God that created all of the earth. He can do whatever he wants, but it was honor that kept, that kept heaven from coming down to earth in that place. So the lack of honor in the hearts equals the lack of fear. Isaiah twenty nine thirteen says this. Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips but have removed their hearts far from me and their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. So they're really allowing their own thinking to to, um, design and set what the truth is instead of letting the word of God be what guides them and being the, the guiding light for their lives. Most of the time when God is changing us or shifting us he will do it in a way that that um, we're going to have to take authority over our emotions yep. yeah. Amen. and the things that we think in our mind because what did Jesus say when he came? Jesus came to to break in to show us a new way. He said, repent, change your minds, change your mind, stop operating in the in the system of the world because the system of the world is not the system of the kingdom. And so he said, you're going to have to think the opposite. So when God is messing with my mind and he's wanting to take my mind and change it, I know he presents me with an opportunity to do something that is the opposite of, of the world. And it feels unnatural, and I actually have to force myself because I know the Word of God. I have to force myself to do it because it feels unnatural to me. It's the upside down, inside out uh, gospel that Missy uh, Edwards sings about. Misty. Sorry. Sorry, Misty. So they restricted Jesus by withholding honor. So the honor principle is this: in First Samuel 2:30, "Those who honor me, I will honor; and those who despise me, I shall lightly esteem." Honor is an essential key to receiving from heaven. Everyone who honored Jesus received from God in the portion that the honor was received. So it's like a, it's like a measuring. If you, however much you honor, that is however much you will receive. When you give honor, you will receive honor from the Lord through. The, the, the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the revelation, the mysteries, the gifts, the callings, um, moving you forward in the things of God. I was um, recently at an apostolic round table here in Dallas. I was invited and I was like, okay, awesome. <laughs> and uh, I got there and lo and behold, I was the only woman. And, um, I, and that doesn't, I don't usually think much about that, but I'm, there are a lot of um, different uh, denominations around the table. So, Shandia Katia Baba, right? You know, so I mean, we're just all, you know, so the guy that's running it, though, said, uh, it was at the beginning of the year, and it was kind of a, a beginning of the year, this is what we're going to be uh, praying about, we're going to be praying and asking the Lord about this year for the city of Dallas. And, um, and I thought, oh, this is great. Well, there was a man in there who knows me, but he uh, knows me pretty well. Um, uh, and, and he said, um, when we were going around the room and we were introducing one another uh, to each other, and he, he, when I went to introduce myself, he said to all of the men at the table, Tracy Eckert is a true prophet of God. When she speaks, we need to listen. Now, I was so blown away by that. I mean, my heart just, I was like, oh my, that's so honoring to me. You know? And what it did is it opened up the room for me to be able to bring the prophetic word and to flow in the gifts that God has given me. But if I had received dishonor, it would, have, it would have put a roof over the gift of God. And so nobody at that table would have been able to receive what the Lord had for them. And so it's the same principle with you in your lives, with your families, with your children, with your um, boss. Right? Right? So I'm going to give you a couple of examples of Jesus and what he said about honor. I want to talk about the centurion uh, soldier first. Do you remember the story of the centurion soldier in Matthew and how um, uh, he approached Jesus and he he said, Hey, you know, I've got a servant that's paralyzed. And Jesus said, Well, I I will come with you to your house. And he said, No, 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 no. You know, I, I am not worthy that you come into my house. And Jesus is like, whoa, wait a minute. Now, this is a, this is a Roman soldier. He is the conqueror, and Jesus is the one that's been conquered in the world. So, Jesus, in the world system, is actually under the authority of this Roman soldier. But the Roman soldier understood, and in his heart, he had the fear of of this man, Jesus. He understood who he was, and so honor came out of him. And then he goes on to talk about the authority and how much he sees the authority on Jesus, and he knows that Jesus can just speak and his servant will be healed. And Jesus equated this... With as much faith as he's ever seen in all of Jerusalem. So he's saying this man has more faith than John the Baptist and his mother Mary. Because he had not only had he, he, did he have honor, but out of the place of honor sprung a revelation of authority. Wow. Mary is pouring out her precious oil on Jesus. She honors and therefore the centurion. These are just a couple of examples and you can go in and be a Berean and you can search this out for yourself. Because it's important that we get a revelation of this. So Mary also takes everything that she owns and in front of all of these men she is pouring out her most precious oil onto Jesus. She pours it on his feet, she pours it on his head. And they're just... Remember who was it? Lazarus, right? No, Judas. I'm sorry, Judas. That, that that was so offended by it. He was so offended by it. He was dishonoring Jesus because he was offended at the honor that Jesus was getting. So the jealousy in him, he was actually following that emotion. And that emotion was actually the thing that was leading him into the pit. Instead of understanding what Isaiah said about the fear of the Lord and honor being coupled together and there being a full reward in that. So he didn't get his reward, as we know. But Mary did. So honoring Jesus and the Father. Jesus said this, He who receives me receives him who sent me. In this context, Jesus is saying that if you receive someone and you give them honor, you're actually receiving me, and you're giving me honor. And as you give me honor, you're giving honor to the Father. He who receives uh, here. Here's what he says in um, I don't uh, I don't have an address on this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives honor or receives. Um, Whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who I sent. So, if you receive the person that God has sent to you, in honor, you are actually honoring Jesus, and Jesus is honoring the Father. And he said, there is a, there is a, there is a, uh, like a, um, what do you call those dominoes? It's a domino. Once you receive that man, you've actually received Jesus, and and then therefore you've received the Father. So, you you receive that man in honor, you give that man honor, who is a servant of the Lord. And he doesn't even have to be a servant of the Lord, because he's made in the image of God, okay? Because God is seeing this. And Matthew 10, Jesus says this, he who receives a prophet in the name of the prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Now, bear with me here because what he's doing is he's talking to them and the New Testament hasn't been written yet. So what he's saying basically because he hasn't gotten into the fivefold ministry, right? And he, we do, we don't do that until Paul writes Ephesians. What he's saying is if you will receive the fivefold ministry, you will receive the reward of that fivefold ministry. And whether there are people who are believers or not, they still function in the fivefold ministry because the gifts of God are irrevocable. They are born that way. So let's say you've got a boss and he is a pain in your neck. Right? But he's an evangelist. He's got, he, he walks in the office of an evangelist even though he's not a believer. He, he, he's, he has that evangelical um, gift on him to promote, to esteem, and, and, and bring people in to gather people, right? So he's functioning in that way. And that's a gift you can actually participate in if you honor him. Wow. To say we honor authority, yet we refrain from submission and obedience to it, is to deceive ourselves. To honor authority is to submit to authority. I'm ironing out some wrinkles here in your shirts right now. Because we're Americans, and so basically uh, most of us are rebellious in our hearts. It's true. You know, I want what I want when I want it. And you're standing in the way of me getting what I want. And I want instant gratification, I want to be promoted, I want to be recognized, I want, to be. I want, I want, I want, 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 right? We must remember that the kingdom of God is just that, it's a kingdom, it's not a democracy. It's not a democracy, you don't get a vote. God sets things in order and he does it for our safety and our protection. He does not do it to keep us down a lot of us need to be kept down until we've got that stinking flesh crucified yeah amen so Paul says this uh, to Timothy and Titus he says set up elders in the church and these leaders were to correct, rebuke, exhort and build up the churches ooh, correct and rebuke what? what? I thought you were supposed to encourage me all authority that exists are appointed by God, Romans, Romans um, thirteen one. So what about ungodly authority? It tells us that, godly, that all authority is of God, but it doesn't say all authority is godly. So get over it. You got a bad boss? Guess who put him there over you? It's God. Some examples of that are Saul, Nebuchadnezzar, Pharaoh... 1 Peter 2.18 says this, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but to the harsh. I looked up that word harsh and it means crooked, perverse, tyrannical, wicked, unfair. Mm Mm-hmm. In the case of a harsh leader, his or her authority is God appointed. God appointed. Now, their behavior is not given from God, okay? But the leader, will, and, and, and this leader, whoever it is that's harsh that you have over you, they're going to have to give an account to God for their behavior. But God has set them over you. Yeah. I mean, think about Saul and David. Why would God set Saul over David? I mean, this man was literally a murderer in his heart. And he made, he made David's life a living hell. He was having to hide out. He was having to scrounge for food. He was not living in the palace. But yet the promise was there. Think about if David had been led by his emotions instead of by the word of God. But he saw the man of God. He saw Saul and he said, this man has been set over me and because I fear God, I will honor him. And so what happened through that process is David laid hold of his full reward. In America, we have a tendency to say, you will have to earn my respect before I honor and submit to you. Isaiah 11 says this. The fear of the Lord does not judge by seeing of the eye or hearing of the ear. It judges according to righteous judgment. Therefore, the fear of the Lord is in your hearts. It's in our hearts. And that's where it comes out of. And you can say to these people, I'm aware of the authority on you. Therefore, I have a fear of the Lord and I will honor you. C.S. Lewis says this, hardships often prepare people for extraordinary destinies. There are three benefits for honoring leaders. Number one, if treated unfairly, our obedience to submit puts our case in the hands of God who will judge justly. But if we take matters into our own hands, God will step back and we will be on our own. Number two, Peter tells us that we return honor or blessing for unfair treatment so that we may inherit a blessing. And number three, if we trust in God rather than vindicating ourselves, godly character will be built in us. And if we run or we try to promote ourselves or we get into grumbling against this leader or we begin, if we get into betrayal against this leader, whoever it is, whatever part of life it is, God will hold us accountable for that behavior and beloved you will go back around that mountain again. You will not have learned the place Uh, of of being able to carry the greater weight of authority and being promoted. You will stall your own promotion. Who are we supposed to honor? The Lord is very clear. Number one, civil leaders, meaning local and national governmental officials, firemen, policemen, um, governors. We're supposed to honor them. Number two, we're supposed to honor the king. President Obama. How do we honor him? We have to honor him first in our hearts because Jesus said to the Pharisees, remember when he said, I hear what you're saying in your hearts. I know what your thoughts are and he addressed them and they hadn't even said anything, but he knew the intent of their heart. And so, guys, I'm telling you, we have got to repent for this. And we've got to say, God, forgive me where I have not honored the man of God that you set over me, even though I may not agree with him. Stop being emotional. The word of God is the word of God, and it will produce fruit in our lives. Social leaders. Number three, social leaders like employers, bosses, teachers, coaches, These are the people that God has set over us. And if the Lord has set someone who is wicked over you, you need to praise the Lord and see how well you can honor him. How well you can bless her. Number four, family. It says, honor your mother and father. Where's the reward? So that all will go well with you and you'll live a long life. Right? Wives, honor husbands. Let the wives see that she respects and reveres her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates him, esteems him, praises him, admires him openly. That her words about him and towards him are are a blessing. Church leaders, number five. God says obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls. This is one of the areas that I personally have experienced and I've got to tell you. I think the church is pretty much 50-50 on this. There are some people that understand it and there's other people that don't. And in every walk of life. What we do is we evaluate situations and we evaluate people and we come to a judgment of who we think people are and where we, and and so we judge what they know, we judge what they do, we judge, and so we're looking at the people that God set over us, bosses, teachers, parents, and we judge them and then we say, you know what? They are not worthy of my honor because of brr, the laundry list. I know more than they do. I'm, I'm, I, I'm greater than them. I'm more holy than them. I'm smarter than them. They're keeping me down. They're there there. You can come up with everything that's gone through your own mind when it comes to bosses or when it comes to uh, 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 the elders in the church. I want to give you a perfect example when Sasha this morning was talking about the children's ministry guys if y'all are going to volunteer if you're going to volunteer at something then you need to volunteer with excellence you need to be on time you need to be prepared because the people that you're serving are God's people and they deserve the very best. In your job or, or, or out if you're, if you're volunteering, serving the poor or whatever. You need to do it with excellence. Because you fear God and you want to honor these people that, have, that you have said yes to. Psalm 92, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Number six, it says with elders that we are to give them a double honor. Okay? Okay, I fall into that category. Just saying. <laughs> when do you become an elder? Do you have to be like 70, like gray hair? I don't know. But I was, um, I, I was recently having dinner with um, a young, very fiery uh, uh, young man um, who just on fire for God. And at the table sat several elders who had a long, um, really incredible life in God and had done great things for the kingdom, had traveled all over the world, had incredible experiences. And all night, this young man, all he could do is tell us how much he knew. And we're all sitting there going, that's awesome, that's awesome. But if you have an opportunity to listen... Listening is honoring and allowing your elders, you should give them double honor and say, tell me about the ways of the kingdom. Tell me about what you've learned. Tell me about how, how you made the mistakes and learned from the, the mistakes. Because we don't have to do it all on our own. You know, let's sit at the feet of our elders and, and benefit from their wisdom. And then last, I've already talked about the fivefold ministry. All right, so in summary, honor means to treat something valuable, precious, and weighty. Do we do it because they deserve it? That, resp- that needs a response. Do we do it because they deserve it? No. Do we do it because we feel like it? No. No, we do it because the word of God tells us to do it. Because we love Jesus. And by loving and honoring these people, we're loving and honoring our Lord Jesus Christ.